crunch, 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 crunch under my thumbs. Welcome to the Meet Your Heroes podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And uh, we are joined in the studio today by our very least favorite guest of all. Yeah. And uh, most infuriating collaborator. None other than Clyde. Welcome back, Clyde. Welcome back. All right. So we're back. We've got 10 episodes under our belt. Things are moving along. Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. We've got like 14 under our belt, but 10 usable <laughs> ones. That's good. It's true. We have, on more than one occasion, recorded episodes that we haven't used, or we've had to record the same episode more than once because the dogs wouldn't stop interrupting. I have very low tolerance when it comes to my patience. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got like 14, 10 usable ones. Folks are loving them. Feels yeah. good. Feels great. So who uh, are we talking about for episode 11? Yeah, today uh, went with somebody who I think everybody knows. And I would say kind of uh, the closest to a hero of anybody we've done so far for me. Mm. Like somebody I I would generally say admired and then got to know a lot more about them. Mm. And uh, definitely can appreciate the, the full picture of who this person is. Today we are doing Steve Jobs. Wow. There, uh, there is a big mythos around Steve Jobs. There is. There is. Yeah. Yikes. So when you think of Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. uh, who do you think of? Who do I think of? What do you think I of? I mean, I think of Steve Jobs. That's correct. That's the right Jobs. answer. Nicely done. Um, when you think of what Steve do Jobs, I think of? A free association. Of? I think of black turtlenecks. Mm-hmm. I think of... Um, what I would consider to be a specific dietary habit. He didn't eat very much, right? And there's like a lot of fruits and like dried fruits and nuts. Yeah. It's like very just it's as... It's funny, funny that you go to like fruits and nuts over the iPhone, like in your sure. mental Sure, yeah, list. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, everybody has an iPhone. Not everybody like measures out the dried apricots that they have for like caloric density that's true that's true you personally use an iphone i confess this i do use an iphone um as much as i love my iphone i also hate it so much but you won't let me get (laughs) a lower tech phone i won't let you get the 1997 nokia side flip i don't want that i do not want that i want a 2011 blackberry full keyboard crunch 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 under my thumbs Mm. miss it love it Would take one now if I could. Sure. So, all the things you mentioned about Steve Jobs are true. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, He is also a gigantic asshole. In Mm. case, like, this kind of, like, people have a general sense. We're going to find out he's a real giant asshole. Mm -hmm. His story, though, has one thing that many of our hero stories at this point have not had, which is, frankly, redemption. Oh, wow. There is some redemption. I can't wait. Yeah, so let's kick us off. Um, 1955. Know about it? Heard of it? He's getting born. Got it. Name is not Steve Jobs. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, he he is adopted. So his bio dad uh, was met his bio mom at uh, University of Wisconsin, I think. His dad's name was 
Abdul Fattah Jindali, and he was a former student activist in Syria mm. who then became a political science professor. His mom was Joanne Carol Schiebel, and um, they met, they were both in the sciences, I believe, um, but Joanne's father refused to give his blessing to if she was dating a Muslim. Oh, and so wow. they were forced to, they never got married, they were forced to put the baby up for adoption, found the Jobs family. Okay. Um, had everything ready to go, but then almost called it off at the last second because they found out the Jobs family had never graduated college. In fact, Paul Jobs uh, had never even graduated high school. Wow. So, yeah, um, they they basically finally agreed at the end, but they said, you have to promise that he's going to go to college someday. And so, but they they promised that and signed the papers. And, uh, yeah, a few months later, the Jobses moved out to California, Los Altos, and that's where he grew up. Um, Quite the origin story. Yeah, kind of a dick of a kid. Okay. Um, just a real misbehaving. His mom taught him to read when he was a toddler. He was real bright, but like, just didn't get well in school. Didn't get get along with authority figures. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's a quote that he definitely ruined some teachers. Oh wow! Um, okay. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, basically destroy the teachers, how he put it. So as a former teacher, what I can tell you, Steve Jobs, is every child does that. All children. Every single six, seven, eight, nine to 18-year-old <laughs> just destroys adults. Yes. All of them. In their own unique little way. Own particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, his his way involved mostly just uh, not listening to what anybody said. Uh, but then you see the flip side of that, where he just didn't follow any rules that would like hold him back. So when he was 13, he uh, needed some parts for an electronics project, couldn't figure out where to get them, um, because he's living in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. right, which is like the hub of all the like, you know. Yeah, I've heard of it. We all know. Yeah, but well, but at the time, right, it was because they were making the actual silicon, like the the microchips. Mm. And so he like looked in the phone book and found Bill Hewlett, the founder of Hewlett Packard, and was like, "Hey, I need some parts. Can you <laughs> help me with these parts for this project?" And he just like. He was so surprised. He gave, he offered him a, a summer internship when he was like thirteen. So he did a summer internship at Hewlett Packard when he was thirteen. Wow! Just because he just didn't give a shit about anybody's rules. Nothing's gonna hold him back from getting that silicon. Yeah, apparently. Um, had some very nerdy friends too. So he's like fourteen. Okay. Uh, when he meets Steve Wozniak, who's gonna be like his longtime partner in this Apple business. So I know Steve Wozniak is like a brilliant professional. Contributed so much to this work. Every time I hear his name, I think about the very brief cameo he had on Kathy Griffin's reality TV show like 10 years ago. Wait, what? Where he rode a Segway around the whole time and they went on a few dates. And Oh my gosh, I didn't... It was just a whole it's a whole mess of a situation. <laughs> so every time I hear Steve Wozniak, all I think about is him on a Segway trying to woo comedian Kathy Griffin. Okay, so honestly, that's not very off of his actual brand, like that's a, <laughs> it's not like a, it's not for the cameras. Um, he is this like still to this day like super geek. He's the nerd. Like it in this partnership friendship, right? Like they get along. Um, Steve Jobs is smart enough to like follow along, but okay. Steve Wozniak is definitely like the nerdy tech engineering brains of this operation. Takes two. Yeah, they do stupid stuff as kids. Like um, they hang up this big giant. Uh, middle finger made of tie-dye blankets on the school <laughs> side of the school building. Right, like stupid hygiene pranks too. Which is like, honestly, 
one of the weakest owns you could have know, of your right? school. Just like, like you didn't even spray paint it. You literally like tied up blankets. Come on. Ooh. Yeah. Um. So they read this uh, magazine description of this thing and they build one. They call it the blue box. Okay. It basically just makes phone noises. Like when you <laughs> press the dial tone of a phone. Sure. Um. But apparently there's like secret combinations. This is back in the 70s where if you played the right tones in the right order from this box and you held it up to the mouthpiece of the phone, it would like connect and you could make free long distance calls to anywhere in the world basically wow right? so it's just like the og router yeah it, i mean it's actually the og hacking right it's okay. like the very first time like you could get stuff for free using sure. electronics mm-hmm. um and they called it phone freaking with a ph <laughs> that was their god hacker name for it fucking virgins it reminds me of, like the <laughs> mr robot like hacker man graphic yeah. like yes Whoa. um uh but yeah so Steve Wozniak makes this thing like, isn't this cool? And Steve Jobs sees it and is like, let's go sell these. <laughs> and that's his immediate impulse. And they do. They sell they sell some on the college campus nearby. Um, so, like, that's that's kind of where their heads are at, right? Like, Got they're it. both kind of nerdy. One of them's like, isn't this cool? And the other one's like, let's make some money. Mm-hmm. It's uh, cool enough to, to profit from. Yes, exactly. Um, at the same time, so by the time he's about to graduate high school, um, he's Steve Wozniak is his best friend, but he's like five years older. So Steve's like at the local college by the time like Steve Jobs is a senior. And uh, this is when Steve Jobs meets Chris Ann Brennan, who's going to be like his off on on again, off again romance for the next couple of years. OK. Um, they like have this crazy 17 year old like, you know, romantic relationship where they're like reading literature and like doing LSD on the football field and like, you know, making out smoking weed i don't know just like you know stupid high school stuff sure um is that what you did in high school so much like how cool i was in high school steve jobs is having this fling um but you also start to get a sense here like how much how obnoxious he actually is because he's like uh he's clearly got some issues that he's dealing with uh, but he reads his book on primal scream therapy and Uh and and like it's all about how uh mothers and fathers right uh, basically fail to love their children, like imprint traumas on them, right? And so as somebody who's adopted, you would think like, oh, he's like starting to grapple with like what this means. But instead he reads this and he's like, hey, you know what, girlfriend? Like you should take LSD and now you scream, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy at the top of your lungs and I'm going to guide you through this so you can be healed by this. And she's like, um, I'm I'm not the one with issues and you've never done this and you're definitely like, not like trained to do it. She's sure. like, don't worry, I, I've got you. So like, Clearly some projection mm-hmm. uh, and clearly a sense of like the uh, as a 17 year old, like, oh, yes, he's invincible and uh, not just for himself, but could, but can do anything for other people, too. Wow. Sounds like a great combination. Super healthy mm-hmm. to start with. She still made out with him after that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she might have some issues at that point. I mean, maybe maybe so. Yeah, that's fair. That's I fair. don't want to speak for her. But as someone who also has issues, what I can tell you is if your standards are that low, Maybe so. Whoops. Um, senior year ends. Uh, his parents make him go to college, keep this promise to his birth mother. Are they in contact? Do you know? They're they... not in contact okay. yet. So he knows he's adopted, but he's not in contact with his birth parents. Got it. At all. Doesn't know who they are. Um, so he goes off, finds uh, Reed College up in Portland, Oregon, which is like super hippie school. And he's like... He's spending crazy stupid amounts of his working class, like, auto mechanic dad's money on mm. this liberal arts school. And it's just like, he's like, what are they going to teach me? I'm here to, like, find my way in the world. And I'm not learning anything. So after six months, he drops out. Um, 
but he doesn't leave. He actually he hangs around. He just couch surfs, couch surfs for like another six months, um, just like hanging out with friends, like scraping, like collects uh, soda bottles to like trade in for the five cent deposit to like try to scrape up for food. Um, wow. Yeah, just like, but this he audits a calligraphy class, sure. which he, he later says is going to be important to him um, when he works on the Mac. One of the big things that set it apart ultimately is like. It has like nice fonts and stuff. So he's like, mm-hmm. it's an important time, but he's basically just like bumming around and, and couldn't keep it together long enough to like actually stay in school. Uh, but so he's looking for a job. Steve Wozniak is still in town. He's like, hey, look at this cool thing I made. And he basically made <laughs> Pong. Uh, right. So it's just like a little circuit board that does Pong. Right. Mm-hmm. So Steve Jobs takes this thing uh, to this new small company called Atari. Oh, wow. And he's like, hey, look at this. And like doesn't doesn't quite say, but gives them the impression that he built it, and they're like, like they hire him, oh, <laughs> and they no. hire Steve Jobs as employee number forty at Atari. Forty. Forty. Four wow. zero as like a te- so he's working on like coin operated machines like as a technician, right? He's not sure. like high up, um, but it's because he just rips off Steve Wozniak's work, right? Mm. Um, Shoot your shot. Yeah. So there Steve Jobs is. He is apparently so difficult to work with at this point that they they find out a way to put him on the night shift. Just so they don't have to work with them. They said he's like, he, he made it clear that he was the smartest person in the room and he knew it and you had to know it too. And they're like, sir, you're working on the coin-operated machines here. Sure. Uh, and those are not mutually exclusive things, but also just shut the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, like, like it turns out like he's going to be Steve Jobs, right? Yeah, yeah, He's smart. But he's just like made sure everybody knows it and people are just like cannot stand him. Right. Um. So, so he's kind of – so he's obviously a jerk to work with. But then he hears about this thing they're doing, this promotion at work. Okay. And they're like, we're going to put out this new game called Breakout. You, you've seen the game where like you bounce, you have a little paddle at the bottom, mm-hmm. and it goes back and forth side to side, and you're trying to bounce the ball up and like break all the bricks yeah, and like yeah. get rid of them. And then there's like a helicopter that goes across the top. Oh, yeah, they did have a helicopter in some of this. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so th- they're making Breakout, right? Sure. But basically, you don't like just type the software in. You actually mm-hmm. need like microchips on the board to like make it work, wow. right? And most games have, like, maybe 150 or something. Microchips? Yeah. Right? Like, to, like, get the whole game to work. Waza. They're like, we need help getting it down. Some some of our best games only have, like, 100. Mm. So they're like, right now, we want to see how low we can get it. We'll pay you basically, like, $100 a chip for anybody who can get the number of chips down. Because it'll wow. save us that much money in the long run, right? Wow. So he's like, okay, give me this board. I'm going to take this challenge on. And he immediately... Calls up Steve Wozniak. Calls up Steve Wozniak. <laughs> and he's like, hey, he's Steve. Like, Listen up, my man. Get this thing. Yeah. So, he, so when he, but here's the, here's the real bitch move of it. He like, he's like, hey, uh, they're having this thing at work. They're going to pay me $500 if I can solve this challenge. Can you get it as low as you can? Steve Wozniak gets this down from like 150 to 100 down to 46. Yes. Right? So he like gets 50 chips off of here. Okay. Right? Steve Jobs takes this in and people are just like blown away. Sure. They're like, this is incredible. It, Little side note, it ends up being so few that it's actually like so small they can't actually use the design. It's like too jam packed in one spot. But anyway, so like he basically walks away with a five thousand dollar bonus. And he's like, Here's here's ten uh, percent. No, he's he he tells Steve Wozniak, here's your half. Three hundred and fifty dollars. No. Yes, he just dicks him over like what a scoundrel. Yeah, he's like he just doesn't even tell him. Um Yeah. Later, Steve Wozniak finds out about this like a decade later, and he's like, <laughs> if he needed the money, he could, like, the money wasn't why I was doing it. He's like, I thought it was fun, right? Yeah. But, like, just the fact that he didn't even have to lie about it, and he just lied about it. Yeah. Um, so this is, like, six months in. Steve I John- feel like, so, just to be fair, 
Um, I feel like if you have this compulsion to let people know that you are the smartest person in the room, there is likely a related compulsion to like on the back end, just behind the scenes, get off on dicking people over where you Mm -hmm. know how much more additionally clever, like cunning fox like you are. And nobody else has to know. Like the whole, the point is not that everybody knows because once everybody already knows you're the smartest in the room, like you have nothing else to like get your jollies from. So you have to do something that's just yours to like have something to have it. Yeah, just that something to prove. Yeah, it's not. It's it's proven to yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That deep insecurity. It's not the last time it shows up. Okay, promise sure. you that. Mm-hmm. Um. So so yeah. So he dicks his friend over. Uh, six months into his job at Atari, he's like, okay, I've saved up this money. He's like, now I can do what I really wanted. And it's like five thousand dollars in what? Nineteen eighty. Nineteen seventy six. Okay, so he's like twenty one. Oh no, not even seventy six. This is like seventy four. Okay. So in today's money. Yeah. In today's money, about a million dollars. Ten million dollars? Yeah. yeah okay. exactly. so he, now he's like ten million dollars richer <laughs> yes. living in San Francisco. So so he's like, okay, so I got my money. So he does what he really wanted to do the whole time, which is he just like takes six months and goes and travels India. Mm. Um, he just like takes the money, goes. He, he eat, loves, prays. Yeah. Big thing. Right. Um, he goes. He has a lot of a teacher that he meets. He, he travels the world. He comes back. After those six months, he like spends six months on a commune. I honest to God cannot think of something worse than someone who both thinks that they are the smartest person in the room and the most enlightened. Oh, and then yes. can be like, well, let me tell you about my time in Barcelona. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, shut the fuck up. I don't care. This is the type of dynamic he is, right? Like he, when he's on the ship, he sees that like people are suffering in the world. And he's like, okay, he decides he doesn't want to do um, humanitarian work. But he also because right, it's very hard. Yeah, he doesn't want to do political stuff. He's like, I want to be like the Thomas Edison, right? I want to be like the inventor of stuff because he likes selling things. He likes like the hustle. Or he's like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like help people by like taking this like stick it to the man and like selling them the stuff that helps them stick it to the man, right? right. Like, that's that's how he interprets this like grand vision. Uh, um, so he gets back, and after all this like year of traveling, he's like back hanging out in his parents garage with steve wozniak okay <laughs> and steve wozniak Steve Wozniak, this brilliant person i imagine has graduated college by now like do we know what he's up to yeah i don't know if he graduated but i'll tell you what he's up to okay he built this computer so it's like a, it just literally looks like a green circuit board with a lot of like ports and stuff you plug in mm-hmm. like have you seen the raspberry pies now i swear to god i was just about to say if you say anything about raspberry pies i'm <laughs> yes! gonna flip this table over did he get all his stuff at micro center no no micro center has not existed yet this is like this is a thing he, there was no micro center for people, right? Ladies and gentlemen, Elliot is going to tell you just a, a brief aside about raspberry pies. What are raspberry pies? Because I would imagine oh, yeah, the average person has not wandered the aisles of micro center with you for hours while okay, you pick okay. up all the yes, tchotchkes yes. you need to so build a pocket computer. Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. is a nonprofit that basically <laughs> built together this like, like, how can we make a computer that hobbyists can tinker with? For like a reasonable price, like fifty bucks, and so you buy this little thing, and it doesn't look like a computer like you're imagining. It's like a little like index card size thing, almost like, like a pillbox. Yeah, it's like a green circuit board. You can get little boxes to go around them, but it but it really just comes as a circuit board. It has a little place where you plug in power. You can plug in an Ethernet cable, USB, 
Um, you can add Wi-Fi to it on some of them. But it basically just like a thing that you can like build into a whole lot of home projects. You can like set one up to help your home internet, whatever. You can like make a robot out of it. Um, so like you can build a whole bunch of them and then store them in your closet for a decade, do nothing with them after you've. I built made a them. tablet out of one of these. <laughs> all right, I built the tablet. Um, so you and Steve Wozniak are building well, yeah, computers. So, so so this impulse, like so, Wozniak is building it, and he's like, computers at the time are this big giant thing you go to buy from IBM for your mm-hmm. business. They cost mm-hmm. like fifty grand, oh. like they're size of a desk, right? Wozniak has this thing that's probably about the size of a sheet of paper. Oh wow! Right, but it's still a like green circuit board. A lot of microchips on it. He's like, oh, it's like for hobbyists and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to sell it for like 50 bucks, right? Which is like kind of the hobbyist price. So like we can actually make these and people can tinker with them and it can be like something that people work on and it'll be like power to the people, right? Mm-hmm. And Steve Jobs is like, oh yeah, like bring the revolution to the masses, right? So they're planning to sell these things for like 50 bucks a piece. They make like 200 of them total. Oh, wow. And they find like this store and this, this computer store is like, I will buy... 50 of them for $500 a piece. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Sounds good. Here you go. Sign here. I mean, that's a 99% discount relative to a $50,000 sure. computer. But yeah. what it, but it also tells them that like they were pricing it at literally just like a tenth of what it was worth to other people, right? Yeah. So they're like, oh, this is like a real business, right? So they're like, okay, this is the point where they go and they, they scrounge up some people who like made some money in like microchips in Silicon Valley, like got some investors who like, that was the Apple. By the way, he picked the name Apple because he's like on that commune, the Apple Orchard. He was like, just being with the fruits in the fields. Like this is... This is like nourishing to like it was like a he liked being in that orchard. That was so they called it the apple. He's like, we're making the apple too. Uh, screw the commune life. These are worth five hundred dollars <laughs> a piece. We are gonna make some money. You know how many apple trees you can buy for five hundred bucks? So many. So many. So many. Okay, so right around this time when the Steves are teaming up to like make the apple too and really like get this thing going, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Ann Brennan, mm-hmm. his former girlfriend from high school, comes back uh, actually on the tail of her own trip to India separately. They reconnect, start to fall back in love again. Mm-hmm. Um, whirlwind romance in her tell-all she writes about like the crazy sex they were having at this time. She said Steve Jobs would call her up like 15 years later after they'd broken up and just to thank her for the sex that they started to have at this point in their lives. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's just like, and she she said it was weird too, but um, the sex and, or the calls, the calls. Sure, she said the sex sure. was great and the calls were very weird. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 um, yeah. But so imagine that they're tracks. Having, they're having great sex. It's super passionate, okay. but um, they decide to move in. But when they do, Steve Jobs says to her, um, he didn't get want to get a house with just the two of them because it felt insufficient to him. He decides to go and they find a third friend that's going to work at this new Apple company, and it's the three of them, like this guy David, and then. Chris Ann and Steve Jobs. So they're going to have a roommate. Okay. When they get to the house, Steve picks the, the house, uh, the, the room that's like right at the front. Like he wanted to be a captain ship, like right in the front of the house. Okay. And she's like, cool, I'll just take the master then because if you want to be at the front, quote, like a whatever, sure. She takes the master. She gets the big room. And her and David. Mm-mm, no. Oh, bummer. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Chris Ann. Could have been different for you. Yeah, could have been. Um, So she gets the master. And then a couple weeks later, Steve Jobs realized, like, oh, she got a much better room that has, like, an attached bathroom and everything. So when she's not there, he just goes in, takes all of her stuff, throws it, like, takes it, throws it out of the room and moves his stuff in. And just, like, I paid the deposit. This is my room now. And takes it from her. And she's, like, it's humiliating, right? Like, yeah. just a huge dick move. 
Um, also, yeah, you would assume moving in together, they would like have a shared space. Oh, but no, right? He wanted all separate and wanted to like exercise complete control. He wanted to pick, and then when he decided he picked wrong, he wanted to like throw her stuff out without telling her, right? Like just like this this level of like control and like pettiness, pettiness, right? Mm. Um, so many people come back to like the pettiness of it. Yeah, Chrisanne wants to be an artist. She studied art for a while. Um, she doesn't have a car though. She can't really get to the to any of the art school she wants. She says she's gonna audit some stuff, but basically she ends up having to take a job at this Apple company, right? So Steve's Steve and Waz are gonna like make this work. She takes a job there too with David. So like she's working with them. She's like in the mailroom. Um, God. Yeah, it's not where she wants to be, but she's like, you know what? It's like it'll let me earn some money and got like, a ride can, to work. Yeah, got literally have a ride with yeah. them. Um, it's at this time that she finds out that she is pregnant. Whoopsie. Yes. Um, so she is taking art classes and everything, and she's like, oh, I don't really mess this up, but I have to tell him. So she tells him, and she's like, this is when the relationships turn. The relationship turns very ugly all oh, of a sudden. Yeah. I cannot imagine he takes this well. Yeah. Um. So he's like, So he's like, I don't. I didn't want to ask you to have an abortion. I wouldn't do that. But like you didn't make that decision on your own. So I'm not going to discuss this with you at all. And so he just refused to talk about the pregnancy with her. Just like shuts it down entirely. And they still work together and ride to work together too. But he just won't talk about her pregnancy with her. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Yikes. And so she's like, well, I have to like plan something for my future. And he's like, well, here, how about this? You like art. You like stuff. You, how about you do a design internship here at Apple? And you just be like on a design internship here and um yeah and then you can still stay working and she's like i wanted to talk about our baby right but you don't want to talk about that like i'm trying to make something work i maybe don't want to be here with you if you're going to be like this uh and then he's like here's the thing though if you ever put this baby up for adoption you will be sorry and it's like, well, sir, you have some issues to work through there, but what? Right. And then also, she's like, okay, and if I keep it, and he's like, I'm never going to help you. <gasps> and she's like, excuse me? Uh, yeah, and he's like, uh, yeah, you may not put up for adoption, and I'm never going to help you with it. And So you've got three choices. I'm literally taking both, two of them away from you. Yeah, and, and so she's like, um... Okay, and then while she's doing that, like while she's like trying to sort out like what kind of weird fucked up situation she's in and how to deal with this, he starts telling people that she has been sleeping around with a lot of people. Of course, and also that he's totally infertile. Uh. And so they're having sex, but it it could not possibly be his baby. And then she's like, "This is just fucked." So she's like, "I am, I'm quitting this job." Yeah. Um. So she goes. Also, it's not like she can. If he's not helping her, it's not like she can feed a child on a mail clerk no, salary. Right? She's like she could have done the internship or the mail clerk and she's like, No. So she she goes, she has this baby on the commune and like he's not even gonna show up. And because he's like friends with the people on the commune, they're like, You gotta show up for this. And then like so he shows up like five days later and he's like I'm he late. pulls a John Lennon. Yeah, right. Well, yes. Uh, five days later, he's like, it, I'm late, but it's not my baby, so it doesn't really matter anyway. What? Yes. To like at the birth. But then he has very strong opinions about the name of the kid, too. He's like, what do you think about Claire? And he's like, no. So, they, so she's like, what do you think about Lisa? He's like, oh, I like Lisa. Lisa is amazing. Lisa's great. Pick Lisa. But it's also not my kid. And I'm never going to help you with anything. Jesus. Yes. So, like, clearly. 
cares about the wrong thing. Yes, very much. And has not resolved whatever like the issues are like with having a young mo- mother who's struggling in a si- the situation. Uh, by the way, just for the record, while he's working on the Apple II at this point, totally coincidentally, mm. um, he starts work on a project that he convinces his team to call Local Integrated Software Architecture. Mm-hmm. Lisa. Yeah, Lisa. They marketed it as the Lisa, but never acknowledges any connection between the two. What a fucking slime ball. Yes. Is that forever? Do we find out later? Later on, he's like, obviously, this is for my daughter. He admits it later on. But yeah. <sighs> but at the time, like for the next like decade or so, just like totally. So he's like, like 22, no 23, just like absolute yes. dickhead. Absolute dickhead. Has a kid. Um, yeah. So she's like, okay, I am. I have this baby now. I am not going to ride in the car with you every fucking day to this Apple job to work in the mailroom. And I'm not going to be your unpaid intern for an art department. She's like, I'm just going to go like find it. So she goes and like finds wait- waitressing jobs, right? Is like living on welfare and waitressing jobs. Um, they break up. And um, yeah, the baby and her basically are like living in abject poverty. Oh. Um, so for years and years, he's like, it's a, well, it's a shame, but I have nothing to do with this. Not my baby. Um, but BT dubs, the sex was great. Yeah. So while he's saying this, right, Apple II starts to take off. Sure. Right? Like, he's starting to become, he's a millionaire by uh, 1978 when he's 23. Wow. He's worth a million dollars. Wow. So it's 73. Uh, so, or sorry, 78 when he's 23, he's worth a million dollars. Yep. The next year when he's 24, he's worth 10 million. No. The next year, when he's twenty-five, he's worth a hundred million. Meanwhile, Steve Wozniak's just like got a hundred thousand dollars to his name. No, no, Steve Wozniak is like is still a partner with him at this oh, point. Oh, I mean, I know. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. just imagining that. Yes, Jobs, like dicked him out of everything. It seems like he should. <laughs> yes, uh, Wozniak is like set up pretty well, so they're both rich. While he's doing this, he is refusing to pay a dime of child support. Oh. So right at this point, right before the company's going public and he's like going to make this money, she takes him to court. He has, takes a paternity test. It proves he's the father. Yes. Right? That's how science works. So now he's worth $10 million. It proves he's the father. So he's having to pay like $500, a measly $500 a month in child support. It's like nothing to him. What? But he's still going around saying stuff like um, when asked about it, he, he one of his direct quotes was, uh, well, I think he was referring to like based on how the paternity test is set up, like technically 28% of the male population in the United States could be the father. So, so I mean, the thing is, the, the, the wild thing is that instead of taking responsibility, saying, yes, this is my child, he opts for, no, I'm totally infertile. Yeah, that's what he goes with. Like, that's his, that's his plan B, to just be like, mm, none of this is working down here. And then when the paternity test proves it's him, he's like... Well, technically, it's only like 94% accurate. So that means like 28 million people or sorry, 28% of the male population of the U.S. could have been the father technically. So I don't really still think it's mine. And she's clearly slept with 28% of the other population. Right. Like, I mean, just Jesus. this while he's like naming his computer projects that he's working on in the background, the Lisa. Right. So like he's like deeply conflicted, but just Ugh. being a huge dickhead too. Right. Yeah. At this point, he is 25. He's worth $250 million. Holy shit. Yes. Okay. This company- Things escalated real fast. T- like, year after year. One, one million, one year, 10 million, the next year, 100 million, then 250 million. Wow. I mean, just like fucking loaded, right? Sticking it to the man. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the youngest people ever to make the Forbes list of the richest people, and definitely one of the youngest ever to do it without inheriting the wealth. Of so before Zuckerberg, there was jobs, right? Yeah. Um, as he got wealthier, he just got like- more and more angry, 
shorter, shorter temper, just like treating people worse and worse around him. Mm. Just like does not make him like a generous of spirit at all. Uh, so one of the people who worked with him at this time said like, I have worked with many billionaires in my career and Steve Jobs was the biggest asshole I have ever met. Oh no. He would destroy people just for the fun of it and he would make it personal. Yeah. Ah, that, that, this is the part that's so confusing to me. It's not confusing to me. I mean, it it makes total sense. Just the opportunity you have as a billionaire to do such good for the world. That the way you get your jollies is by eviscerating individual people. Like, why? Well, I mean, like, y- yeah. Like, it. it is clearly something about that one-on-one moment seeing the humiliation yeah. that like gets him going because it's not just like one-on-one settings actually it's like he would he would partic- in particular try to humiliate people in front of sure. other people sure i mean yeah if you just humiliate them one-on-one then like you're basically doing nothing at all at yeah they're point. not humiliated in the same way as if like you do it in front of people that they care about and respect like a few examples of this he at one point he's interviewing somebody who's like a vp of human resources and the irony uh he's like oh interesting which job you're here for the human resource job uh he says i've never met one of you who didn't suck i've I've never known an hr person who had anything but uh mediocre mentality so he's the original michael scott shitting all over toby yes i mean honestly that comes yes (laughs) just anybody who can hold him accountable even through like small technicalities it seems like he is trying to like chip away at yeah well but also like just like very straightforward appraisals of people's work. So like he he would say like he thought the world had the A players and it had bozos, right? And so when there was the project like strict binary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so the Lisa comes out during this time and it is like not successful. And so to the Lisa team, he like after it's like clear it's not succeeding, he he calls them all into this big meeting and he's like uh you you guys failed. You are B team, B players. Uh, too many people here are B or C players. So today we're releasing you uh, to have you give you the opportunity to work at some of our uh, other companies in the Valley uh, because you are the bozos and we want them to have you, not us. Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people would work on something all night in the morning. He'd come in and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that sucks. And if you like argued with him, sometimes he would like be like, OK, whatever. But then uh, other times you just blow out of the water. Um, do you remember before iCloud, there was this thing called Mobile Me? Do you remember this? It was like a way to, it's kind of like the email yeah. for Apple before. It sounds familiar, but yeah, not, not anything that's like, you know, there are Britney Spears songs that are more <laughs> readily accessible in my brain than mobile me. So okay, no, it registers very low in yeah. the impact it had on my life. So, so, uh, he calls the team in for, for Moby, right? And he like, he has this big, like division of the company, right? Okay. Like, you know, a t- couple dozen people. It's like, can anybody tell me what mobile me is supposed to do? And somebody like raises their hand and like explains like how the emails go to the cloud store. She's like, "Great, yeah." So why the fuck doesn't it do that? No. <laughs> and they're like, excuse me. Uh, like, yeah, okay, and then buddy, you do it. And then after this, he ends, he ends up basically saying, uh, "You've tarnished Apple's reputation, uh, but mostly you should hate each other for having let each other down." And then on the spot in this room, he's like, "You, the guy who's in charge, you're fired. Get your stuff and leave right now." Okay, Steve, dummy who can't even make an Atari game, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, like, clearly he's not the one doing it, right? He's just, like, (sighs) he's the marketing guy. But, uh, yeah, people described him as having, like, 
all of these like best like the best and worst qualities of a person right all these incredibly like creative insights and then just like being a total absolute shithead mm-hmm. so uh he's like 25 and this he's ca- only 25 at this point well, no, I guess I, between 25 and 30 at this okay. point. So, like, these okay. are the years up to 30. Okay. Um, so, like, when he's, like, 27, right, this, start, this is catches up with him. He's the chairman of the board of Apple. But he he's trying Seems to... like a conflict of interest. Well, I mean, he's the founder, right? Sure. I guess it's not public yet. It's, like, Zuckerberg, I think, is still, too. Uh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, um, I guess once it goes public... It's gone like, public, but he's still the chairman of the like, board. That's, like, got it. Um... So he brings in an outside CEO. He he calls up actually the CEO of Pepsi, Scully, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to just make sugar water all your life, or do you want to do something that actually matters?" <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know what? I can get behind that. Sure, that's yeah. a fair burn. I mean, it's it's a sure. burn, but it's a it's mm-hmm. not a wrong one. Um, so get Scully over. Scully, come do this. Um, and the big project that Steve Jobs is working on now is the Macintosh. So they've done the Apple computers, right? But mm-hmm. Macintosh is a type of Apple, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the first Mac, mm-hmm. right? And so he's making this, and it's going to be like this. He, he says he wants it to be like the most beautiful thing they've ever worked on, right? So he's like, make it smaller, make it like do like do, just nothing works though, right? It's kind of like the um, I think about the Elizabeth Holmes stuff I've seen, where like it's just <laughs> like just make it beautiful and gorgeous, and like nothing actually functions. Right. And right? every single Macintosh is one drop of Steve Jobs' blood <laughs> inside somewhere. I mean, they they like sign it on the inside. There's parts that you can't see. Jesus, it makes people like sign their names because like artists sign their work, right? So it's not far off from like the drop of blood. Right. But like imagine this obsessive thing that's like they couldn't get it to work. Um, go big or go home. Um, right before the Super Bowl. 1984, they released this ad. And it is the ad, the TV ad mm-hmm. is a scene. It's very dreary looking. All these people staring at screens. It looks like it's from the book in 1984. OK. But somebody like in a tracksuit like runs up this woman runs <laughs> up and like throws a giant hammer through the screen and shatters it oh no and the and the text and, and the voiceover says the macintosh uh it's the reason why 1984 won't look like 1984 it's I like bet he thought he was so fucking smart i mean it is one of the it is like one of the most famous ads in like ad history it's very well done can't wait to google it after this the macintosh was a huge flop right like okay. it was incredibly expensive he just like was like totally impractical with it because it turns out like he was one to be kind of an artist but he wasn't that good at like making the things that would actually do well in business at this point right yeah. like um and so with this other ceo who we brought in from pepsi they're like butting heads and basically he gets forced out of his company he's like Wozniak leaves at this point because he's like I want to focus on the Apple II the thing that I did and like very like hobbyist type stuff mm-hmm. you're trying to go after the business market um, and Jobs is out and Jobs is out because he's like trying to push for a direction that like the other CEO doesn't believe in and, and it, he's just basically kicked out so he's rich as hell but at 30 he's like kicked out of like this company he helped build it from nothing um, and very publicly too just like humiliated and he has no idea what to do with himself um, Maybe he should run for president. I mean, <laughs> thank God he didn't. Uh, they, side note: I think somebody asked him once uh, if he was going to run for president or not. If he wanted to get into politics at this point, and he was like, "Oh, I can just imagine now." Sending interviews. So, how much acid have you done, Mister Jobs? <laughs> like, he, like that was his that was his first thought. He's like, "I'm not going to be a good politician." No. Um, at least he's honest. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. He was true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's devastated. Um, He's handsome, famous, rich, but he's also alienated all the important people in his life. Um, and basically, at this point, he like 
is really floundering. He like goes and tours the Soviet Union to like talk about personal computers for a while. <laughs> he like travels to Italy. And basically at this point he he's like he realizes that the root of his issue is like he is deeply hung up about being adopted. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it sounds like he might have some avoidant attachment behaviors. Yes. So so this is the moment though where like Steve Jobs is still kind of an asshole for the rest of his life, but he's like not a pathological asshole because okay. what he does is he his his bir- his adopted his adoptive mother is very sick, mm. uh, but while she's in her last few year- years or months even he starts looking for information on his biological mom. Got it. And he never reaches out to her until his adoptive mom actually dies. Mm. Um, he's like, I didn't want her to think in any way that she was like being any- replaced. Yeah, anything less than like my mother in sure. entirety. Um, but once she was gone, like I wanted that closure, so he reaches out. He connects with his bio mom. Um, he finds out his a sister who's like an artist and author, and like they immediately become friends. Oh wow, that doesn't just like destroy him. The fact no. that she's successful doing the things that he wants to do. He loves the fact that like it's in his genes to be artistic ah. because he's like a business, sure, right? He's like sure, a sure. he's, a, he's yeah, like yeah. a multimillionaire. He's like, this is like my artistic street cred. So like yeah. he goes to her like fancy Manhattan parties and like wow. hangs out with like the art scene in New York for a while. Um, yeah, and basically, she is one of the people, main people that convinced him, like, you've dicked over your daughter. Like, go make this right. And so this right. is the point where he's like, okay, like, making peace with this. He reaches back out to Chris Ann, and he calls her up. He's like, he basically just apologizes over and over again. He's like, one, the sex was bomb. Yes, Two, yes. is Lisa there? Because I'd like to chat with her. Yes, yeah, and... um. When she was like three or four, Lisa did not know who he was. Sure, but I by mean, the time how she, would she, yeah, but by the time she's nine, like she wouldn't because like he's never he never sees her, right? But mm-hmm. by the time she's like nine, he's like they've like actually started to rebuild a relationship, and mm-hmm. eventually, when she's old enough, she actually goes and has her birth certificate amended to change her name to Lisa Brennan Jobs. I mean, that's just good legal maneuvering. <laughs> yes, point. I mean, fair. Had a paternity test, but better safe than sorry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so he starts to actually, like, make peace with his demons. He goes and starts this crazy company called Next, which is, like, when he's doing the Macintosh, he's like, I'm going to build this perfect artistic machine, and it may just, I don't care if anybody actually wants to buy it or if it's too expensive. He does that for a whole company. He builds this crazy, like, super manufacturing plant. He gets, like, art professors, like, do the logos, and, like, it's just gorgeous, and he builds, like, this machine that people still to this day talk about being one of the most incredible devices they've ever owned. It costs, like, ten grand. Nobody bought it. Um, a $10,000 machine. Yeah, $10,000, like, personal computer. Imagine if your laptop cost $10,000. They were, like, like that. no, right? People did not buy them, but apparently it was really well made, and he's, like, he's he, he decides this, he was really wanting to do that and build this perfect company, it was not perfect. It was just like a vanity project almost. Sure. But also while he's doing this, he, he George Lucas is like trying to offload some like production studios. He's like, hey, we have this new computery thing that like lets you do computer graphics. And Steve Jobs picks up this little computer graphicsy thing for $5 million called Pixar. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fun. So they put together a movie and they like prototype it and they release Toy Story and they go public a week later. And so his $5 million investment turns into $1.1 billion dollars within wow. a week of when Toy Story is related. So, to infinity and beyond. Yeah. I mean, like, so he's just, like, fucking loaded at this point. He was yeah. a millionaire, and now he's a billionaire. Wow. Um, and 
then he's like, you know what? Uh, he meets he meets Lorraine Jobs or sorry, the, she, Lorraine Powell at the time, but mm. um, he meets her. Uh, they have this little tiny ceremony in 1991. Um, and so he's 36. Yeah, he sees her basically like just trying to the, do the math. 36. He, yeah, he sees her at the front row of a lecture. Okay. And he's just like smitten with her. Um, they get married. Little tiny ceremony. Um, little vegan wedding cake. Mm. Um, and little little Buddhist ceremony. Got it. Um, they have three kids, and people see him and are like, he's like carrying around a baby now, and they're like, you are not the same asshole that was like. Firing people in front of the like two dozen people. Sure. Back in the day, like he's he started to actually make peace with some of those. He's demons. got that new money empathy. Yes. <laughs> um, he and wants, a wife. He wants and a wife. He wants for nothing. He's made peace with his daughter. Like, what does your dad say about wives? They have a civilizing effect. Yes. Mm. Seems so, like that might have happened. Might have happened. Also, money billion dollars. Also, yeah, yeah, civilizing yeah, 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 yeah. So much therapy for a billion dollars. Oh, therapy and a wife. Primo, yeah, primo. So the, all the rest of it from here is like, um, what do you do if you have all these things? The only thing he didn't have was the company he had founded. The last big chapter for him is that he decides he really needs it. He hates seeing Apple run into the ground by what is just like a succession of really terrible CEOs. Like they just like are just no idea what to do with this. It's running into the ground. So. In a stroke of brilliance, he he convinces Apple to buy his next company. Okay. For four hundred million dollars. <laughs> which is this, this fool is a hustler. Oh if man, is he else. a hustler, right? Um, Got it. Now game. the hardware, the the computers that they built were ten grand at Next, and like mm-hmm. nobody actually would ever gonna buy them. They're okay. like they're basically museum pieces of computers, right? Just like gorgeous, but never really like mass market. But the software that they wrote was really brilliant. Uh, and that actually would go on to be the very first version of OS X, okay. which now today we just call Mac OS. Like that software. Is that what we call? Yeah, I mean, like the software that runs on Mac today mm-hmm. is very dire- directly connected to the stuff that was written, not by Steve Jobs, but by the people he hired right. to make that he software. He never wrote code. No, he was not a coder. I mean, he like t- tinkered around, but he was not writing this, right? Like the people that wrote this code for him at Next, though, wrote essentially 30 years ago a code that, like, is, you could run today. Yeah, still to this day runs and it's like slowly like starting to show its age, but like it's still like put it this way, code that lasts for a week is like that's pretty solid. Not gonna lie, <laughs> right? If it lasts for like a year, you're like great, it lasts like to have code that like is actually usable for thirty years is wow. like a like a testament to how well done that was. That's awesome. Um but anyway, so they he gets him to buy it and he's like, I want to stay on it as an informal advisor. Mm. And like, okay, so he's like hanging around advising and stuff, and he basically just like plans his board takeover and then he's like hey who here wants to go make sugar water for the rest of their life i'll buy out your yeah he's, he's like leave right <laughs> he, the, the quote he literally says to one of the existing board members was um stop the train this isn't going to work this company's in shambles and i don't have the time to wet nurse the board so i need you all to resign or else i'm going to resign and i'm not going to come back on monday with the implication of like you're just going to be screwed without me and you know they're like yeah, you're not wrong. It's going pretty badly. Sure. So they just leave. They like basically hand him back the company after all this. They, they sell all him. get like a they... two liter of Pepsi walking out the door. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's a different CEO now, but it's basically the same vibe. Yes. Mm-hmm. They they so they've just handed him like four hundred million dollars, and then he takes back over. That is some quick maneuvering. Yeah, and and it works out right. Like basically, he goes in, he shuts down all of the shitty products that they're doing. He really sure. narrows it, and this is when he like um. Two thousand one, he introduces the iPod. 
And like, of mm-hmm. course, like, was he there when Apple computers had the different colors on the back? Was he responsible for that? The IMAX? No, 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 no. The the. Oh yeah, the, the multicolored ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the pink, teal, orange. Was that him? Oh, I don't know why. What was your opinion on those? Um, they feel a little tacky to be him, but at the same time, having been a 12-year-old when those things came out, I really wanted a blow-up couch from Dahlia's that was like pink uh, and glittery yeah, yeah, yeah. and a pink Apple computer. I didn't have either, but I'm just telling you like what my fantasy would have been. And then I could just like sit in my blow-up couch listening to Hanson and the Spice Girls messing around on my like super cool computer. Yeah, honestly, so I, I, I have to confirm this, but I think this is him because this is the right time period. And the fact that it was transparent and you could see some of the yeah, work yeah, inside, yeah. it was all very like it was all built into one. So mm-hmm. the, the fact that the monitor and the CD drive, one. Yeah. the computer, that later on with the iMac on the stand, it was yes. the same design. So yes. I'm, I'll confirm that, but I'm pretty sure this is all like Steve Jobs era stuff. Okay, so we took a little pause, looked on the internet. Yeah, it is him. It is him. And specifically, it is him coming back. Like, one of the first things, he brought in John Ivey to do, like, the designs. Okay. And this is, like, the first thing with his fingerprints on it after he came back. If you look at the ones before that, they were very ugly. Like, very boxy. Sure. So, yes. So, this is what he does. He comes in and he, like, makes it cool. Makes you want it. That plus the iPod. Can you even imagine? I do remember the iPod. That feels very distant, though, from the, like, translucent, colorful computer. It, I mean, that must have been, like, a decade apart, right? Well, so the iPod, so that was in, he came back in 97. That was 98 where the I, that first iMac, so it's called the right. iMac, the colorful case comes out. 2001, the first iPod comes out. Okay. So, yeah. What What's that? Three years. Wow, time really moves fast. You're a teenager, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was only three years. Wow. It's a long three years. Long three years. Yeah, Y2K, boom. Man. Now you have an iPod. Done. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, in 2003, Steve Jobs diagnosed with cancer. Okay. Pancreatic cancer. For months, he refused to go undergo surgery of any kind. What? Um, Stubborn. Who? Yeah, and he actually, yeah, um, he basically tried, so here's what he did. He he said he later regretted it a lot, obviously, because it killed him. Uh, but he tried a vegan diet, acupuncture, herbal remedies, and other treatments he found online. Mm-hmm. Even consulted a psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was influenced by a doctor that ran a clinic that had juice fasts and bowel cleansings and other kind of like Eastern ones. Sure. Um, and for nine months he tried that, and it was totally ineffective. Yeah, on the preventative side. Sure. A lot of that feels like I love that for him. Yes. On the treatment. On the treatment of, of like a deadly cancer that you. The, one of the most deadly cancers. Yes. Uh, turns out not as effective. In fact, right. totally ineffective. Right. Sure. Um, so he eventually does get some surgery. Uh, did not get chemo or radiation, mm. which also later regretted. Um, three years later, 2006, cancer comes back. Mm-hmm. Is a slow type, but it was still pancreatic cancer, which is like very lethal. I mean, that's like the most devastating, right? You have pancreatic cancer, and it's just so few people recover from that. It is after his cancer comes back for the second time that he releases the two products that actually is probably most well known for today. So then, two thousand seven, the iPhones released. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working on this the whole time. 
has this in mind. He has one more product he wants to get out that he's like thought through. He's actually been working on like prototypes of this product for a decade or more, but the technology was never quite ready to get it out. Like you couldn't quite get the pieces small enough or cheap enough or responsive enough. So he gets the iPhone out, but there's still one more product that he's like been trying to get together for years and years. Um, In 2009, Tim Cook, who's at the company, uh, and happens to randomly have the same rare blood type as Steve Jobs, offers a part of his liver to Steve Jobs because it grows back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But Jobs apparently yelled at him and said, I'll never let you do that. I'll never do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't want your janky liver. Right? Uh, (laughs) Your bozo liver. Yeah, which, I mean, to think about that, like, refusal, part of it is probably, like, he thought the survival of Apple was more important than the survival of him in some sure, ways. Sure, yeah. Which is like a really interesting... I don't interesting... need to make fun of no, the but like, like... opportunity, the, the generosity of offering that up. But the, also the turning it down, right? Yeah. That's the part that's crazy to me. Like, to even save his own life. Um, right. He's not old. He's in his 50s at this right. point. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He dies very young. Yeah. Finally, a year later, this device he's been working on in, in a couple different versions for years and years comes out. The iPad. The iPad. Mm. The ability to have a tablet and to make that like a total touchscreen interface. Um, the next year, 2011, he steps down in August as his health is declining. And um, later in 2011, he dies. He is buried in an unmarked grave. Wow. In uh, Palo Alto, the only, in the only non-sectarian cemetery in the city. Interesting. His family, including Lisa, were at his side. Sure. Died. Really wealthy. Sure. Having faced some of his demons. Yes. And the thing he's most proud of was that you grow up in life and you, like, get to take out of this, like, vast uh, wealth of knowledge that all of human history has accumulated, mm-hmm. right? Like, electricity and, like, mm-hmm. you know, health and science. And then the most exhilarating feeling was being able to put just a little bit something back in there. And that's what he was most proud of. Oh, that's really sincere because I was going to make a joke about how he got to draw from the vast wealth of the universe and everything that led up to it. And he drew the most compared to everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he was not one to argue that he was uh, not not doing real well. Sure. So it sounds like he was a very complex, at times really pained person who... It seems like at some point put in some work on himself, contributed to the world in many ways, stuck it to the man became, so much so that he became the became man. Became the right, man. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like uh, you go so far around the circle where you're like, this is some anti-capitalist bullshit. Oh, I'm actually all of capitalism. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a hamster wheel of sticking it to whatever powerful entity you eventually become yeah and then i mean like there's also the later complexities of the fact that the company uh fostered this environment where you have what end up becoming really exploitative labor cycles in like the manufacturing facilities in china right it's not clear how much of the logistics management that he did for the supply chain right so like in his own personal story i don't know how big that played in his own like decision making but the fact that like he built this gigantic machine that would go on to like not just like provide cool things to people and enable creativity but also like you know cause people to kill themselves in factories because of the hours they're being forced to work with yeah. like no flexibility or uh, ability to like sustain a life it's almost like 
late-stage capitalism is really bad for a whole bunch of people if you're not at the top. Late stage, the most optimistic part of that sentence. (laughs) Yeah. Fingers crossed. Anyway, so Steve Jobs, maybe, maybe not a hero. Definitely a complex human being. Sure. I would say also, despite this like mythos around him of being this you know, absolute dick of a person for the last 50 years or whatever sort of uh, narrative there is around him. He's also not the worst person we've talked about on this podcast. Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, um... Christopher Columbus is, without a uh, doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Christopher <laughs> Carambo, sure, sure. the worst. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to episode two. Uh, we take that one on real early. But, yeah, it sounds like um, probably not a hero. Or if he is, just acknowledge the fact that he was also kind of an asshole. And those two things are not mutually exclusive sometimes. No, but sometimes you're just an asshole. Sometimes, yeah. Just an asshole. All right. So that's it for episode 11. Yeah. Tell your friends. Find us on your phones. We'll see you later. Yeah, find us on your iPhones, most likely. Yes. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's like 60% of the population finds their podcast on Apple Podcasts. So thank you. Yeah, write the review. Next week, we'll, we'll come at you. We'll read some of the reviews. Yeah, we've got a bunch we're excited to share with y'all. Shout you out. All right. Well, until then. Don't be a hero. Do not be a hero. Wash your hands. 20 seconds at least. Sing Lizzo's chorus twice. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, uh, bye.